welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 3, Episode 10 in the Book of Colossians, a letter written by Paul to the church in Colossae. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode, we finish Chapter 3 and see where Paul takes this theme of a new man, a new self, and how this relates to other people, including the family. How can family relationships reflect the new life we have in Christ? What can the family show the world? And how do we, in modern life, handle this attitude of submission? All right, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18, and we will read all the way through chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, be submissive to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and don't be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, supply your slaves with what is right and fair, since you know that you, too, have a master in heaven. All right, back to the uh, interesting verse 18. And we will push 18 and 19 together, because in context, they have to be together. Verse 18 says, Wives, be submissive to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Spouses are some of the most basic relationships. In verse 18 and many others in the New Testament, wives are asked to be submissive to their husbands. Submissive clearly means to be subject or subordinate. But the Greek word here is hypotiesthethi. It occurs 38 times in the New Testament and 23 times in Paul's letters. Now, understand there is some nuance in the word depending on how it is voiced. In a middle voice, as occurs here, this submission is a voluntary action of a free agent. This is not a submission based on slavery or servitude or as a husband demanding submission. But as stated, it is a voluntary action. And looking at verse 19, this love of the husband here is a selfless love. And that selfless love in itself develops a, as Richard Mellick writes, a relational principle of mutual consideration. The husband, in fact, I would say, voluntarily submits to his wife by loving and caring for her although Paul certainly doesn't use that word for uh, the husbands here. Wives, unlike children, are not told to obey, as obedience is voluntary with the action of submission. Ultimately, obedience is to God. That's our ultimate obedience. And especially if any activity in the family goes against the will of God, we must understand that our ultimate responsibility is to our Creator. So this submission in verse 18 was fitting in the Lord in respect that it is a proper Christian attitude. Submission is a matter of Christian commitment, is an outgrowth of the wife's relationship with God. 
and not to her husband. This is certainly not a role of inferiority, as that would be unbiblical. This is a functional subordination, but essential equality in a relationship with God, since both the husband and wife are responsible to God. Verse 19 says again, Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. The simple and important command to husbands is to love their wives. This is the same Greek word for love, agape, which is an unconditional love, the same love that God loves the church with. This is a love that will do whatever is necessary, whatever it can do to promote the wife's well-being and the wife's satisfaction. This makes voluntary submission, in verse 18, a non-issue. And the follow-up in verse 19 is for the husband to not be bitter or harsh towards the wife in some angry or resentful way. All right, verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Well, in Christ, parents have mutual responsibilities for the children. The children should be obedient. This word, obey, in Greek is hypakoethe, meaning obedience a much stronger word than in verse 18 with the word of submission. Obedience was expected in everything. When Paul spoke about this in Ephesians 6, he tied this obedience with a promise. Ephesians 6, 1-4 says, Children, obey your parents as you would the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Notice here in Ephesians that the father had the responsibility, or the parents had the responsibility, to teach the children how to obey. This, again, will be young children that are still dependent on the parents for all things. And this obedience of children, this obedience of children, has the benefit of pleasing God. Now we know that Jesus has a special love for children. In Luke chapter 18, verse 15, it says some people were even bringing infants to him so he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them, let the little children come to me and don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So we enter into a relationship with God, trusting him as a child would trust a father. Now the caveat here would be if a parent asks of something that is contrary to God's word, or goes against God's wishes, then the obedience command could be overridden because we ultimately respond to God. And we know that many children have come to know God against parental wishes throughout history. But we also have to understand that there's a new there's a, there's a new thing here because wives and children were considered property they weren't considered any more than that and here the amount of respect amount of love the equality and the amount of love for children is a really good big thing that needs to be said verse 21 says fathers do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged well like in Ephesians what is the warning here what does it mean to exasperate your children? 
This exasperation in Greek is erethrosite, meaning to provoke. Even though this verse is addressed to fathers, again, both parents are in mind. This exasperation is an embitterment. It is an irritation to the child. This could be uh, constant nagging or insulting or a critical uh, attitude towards all the behaviors of the child or a constant demeaning speech towards the child. None of those should ever be present in a Christian home. And correction, correction for a child should be behavior-based, not about the personhood of the child. As parents, we do not want to be discouraging our children with such behaviors or talking to them in such ways. All right, that's the family relationships. What about slaves? Now, that's a tough one. Verse 22 says, Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Now, we can take the analog of saying, well, that's applying to bosses and workers. Well, sure. But we have to understand that slavery in this time in history was a political and economic reality. And most slaves were victims of war taken as captives. This was not a racially based system and slavery was foundational to the economic power of the Roman Empire. Wherever Paul went, he spoke to a large contingent of slaves in every location because they were, quite frankly, the majority of people. Now, we can all agree that owning another human being does not meet the intent of the gospel message, do unto others. However, Paul was not going to address the system of slavery at the time as this would have caused great persecution towards his ministry by Rome. So how do you handle a horrible issue in an institution that still expresses the love of God? How do you handle that? How does that work? Well, Paul asks something that seems odd that the slaves should obey their human masters and everything. Again, I do not believe this would include doing what is outside of God's commands. We also need to understand that most workers in Paul's day were all slaves. And some slaves were well-loved by their owners, in fact, became part of the household. Paul does, not, Paul does note that a human master is different from a heavenly lord, Of course, we can think of horrific actions of slave owners, including the beginning of the nation of Israel in Egypt and how they were treated, and God had set them free. The slave, as the free workers are today, should work as followers of Christ with respect and doing everything the best that they can do, even without being watched, for we're working as for the Lord. Now, unfortunately, slavery still exists today, even in modern countries. Now, this is a different matter, as this is not an economic reality. It is blatantly wrong in all aspects. It includes the demeaning of these individuals, and I believe it should be actively opposed and eliminated. Verse 23 says, Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically. Again, talking to the slaves. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. So the service is to God. Slaves were to work with all their heart as working for the Lord and not for men. An enthusiastic manner. (laughs) 
This can translate directly to workers today in whatever job that you have and word or deed you work towards the Lord. Work hard for God as he is the real master of our lives. The motivation here is to reward an inheritance from God. And the slaves, it was the same. The motivation was to reward an inheritance from God. No matter the kind of lot we have on this earth, there is a much bigger heavenly award. This would be such words of comfort for those caught in slavery in Paul's time. And regardless of the relationship with an earthly master, they know they have a heavenly Lord. Ultimately, service is to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should work today in the same way as the ultimate service is to our Lord and our Master. Verse 25 says, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Here perhaps is another motivation to always do what is right for either the master or the slave, the boss or the worker. Slaves can take some comfort in the fact that the harsh, unbelieving master will face God's judgment. The wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done. There is no favoritism. And that leads us to the first verse in chapter 4. Masters, supply your slaves with what is right and fair, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Now masters, in order to avoid judgment, were to be concerned about what is right and fair in treating their slaves and others. Although a slave was not paid for their welfare, there was great dependence on the supply of the master to the slave as far as housing and food and all other matters. In the work life of today, fair and just treatment and wages should be the same example. Essentially, the master is also a slave because if they are a believer, they are a slave to the heavenly master. And we know treating others the way you'd want to be treated clearly does away with the institution of slavery. But again, the Roman Empire would have forcefully rejected that discussion and hindered the spread of the gospel. So what we have in view here is how Christians respond to relationships, including the family. If our circumstances cannot change, the Christian response is to respond as God would have us respond regardless of that circumstance. Every person, again, should be treated with dignity and equality as our proper response back to our Savior and our Creator. Put on the new man, as Paul says. In the next episode, we will dive into chapter 4, looking at prayer, wisdom, and communication in ministry. God bless you today, and I encourage you to spend time in God's Word. Please look at our Facebook and Instagram page. I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you have gained from this study. God bless, and I pray that you are well.